Hey, Curtain Future Onophiles, this is Hallie. And this is Adrian. And we are the, the Bottle, Bottle Blondes. Blonde. We think wine is delicious, but we know that learning about it can be pretty overwhelming. We use our love of comedy to make learning about wine fun and approachable because we are learning about it too. In improv, mistakes are gifts, and boy, are Ooh. we going to make some mistakes. So thanks for coming on this ride with us. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and SoundCloud at Bottle Blondes Wine. Give us a listen, and if you like our podcast, leave us a review. And for pictures of the wine we drink for the cast and our other adventures in wine, follow us on Instagram at Bottle Blondes Wine, all one word, and on Twitter at Blondes Wine. Thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. Welcome to Bottle Blondes, episode 12. Maybe? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's 12. I think it's 12. We we're pretty sure it's 12. <laughs> we're like, mm, we'll just say 12. It's been a minute. Uh-huh. It's been a minute. We've been busy um, taking our wine and spirit education trust class, mm-hmm. learning learning more. Learning more. So Expanding we, our horizons. So we can actually maybe uh, say some things right. Um, I like that. <laughs> The purpose of the class is definitely not for furthering our knowledge. It's for figuring out how the fuck to pronounce these things. Because when you listen to your teacher pronounce it, you're like, ah, oh, yes, I make a mental note. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then there's, like, apparently fun tutorials online that you can click through and somebody will also pronounce it. I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, we are here today because we're going to a country we haven't been to yet. That's true. Uh, we're in Spain. We're in Spain today, uh, we're just going to be focusing on a red, some red wines from Spain. Uh, we are not going to be covering all of the regions, as there are so many. So today will just be a, a small smattering, a sampler platter, if you will, yeah. of some, some red wines of España. Some red wines and then um, some sherry. We're going to be going on to sherry land, so I guess that's technically white. Yeah. Is it? I am so Actually, I don't know. I didn't actually look up pictures of the grapes. I think it's gold. They're pretty golden. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're going to say they're white grapes. <laughs> but we'll double check that later. So, <laughs> amendment to this okay. episode. Maybe may, may a future amendment. <laughs> Northern Spanish reds and sherry. And sherry, <laughs> yes. Um... So Spain is a is a pretty gigantic uh, wine pretty gigantic. It's a lovely technical. Gigante. <laughs> <laughs> what is that really? How you say gigantic in Spanish? Isn't it? I'm gonna look this up while you continue. And gigante. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh no, it's gigantesca. 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 Oh, oh your phone pronounced it for us. Gigantesco. Okay, so Gigantesco, we know. Um, we're not going to make fun of the Spanish language. That's not why we're here. No, but... Um, so you were saying third, potentially. Oh, yes. I was going to say they actually, um, like, plant more grapes than any other uh, country. Interesting. But they, they do have a very large variety of grapes that they grow there, and it's, it's really cool, too, because it's... You're going to get a lot of blending going on because of this. Lots of experimentation. uh, And then also, but it's only third in, like, production in the world because of vine density. So everything's very spread out. Interesting. Um, You know, there's only... It's a big country. It's a big country. The wine is spread out. The vine... There's a little bit more spacing between the vines. You have a big variety of... Ooh, nicely done. I see... 
the WSET class is paying off. <laughs> I just still can't forgive myself for not pronouncing that correctly. Well, every time, the I, every time I say it, I'm like, did I say that right? And then I'm like, and then I pronounce it wrong again, and I'm like, oh, backtrack. Backtrack. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of wines, a lot of the red wines from Spain are very full-bodied. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're fruity, but they're earthy. Uh, and Spain has a variety of climates. Oh, it's, yeah. It's got a, a cool climate in the northwest. Uh, it's got a little bit more warm uh, in northeast. And then, uh, of course, when we go south, we're getting yeah, hot. Yeah, you get hot because of those Mediterranean influences. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of climate influence happening from the Atlantic Ocean, Mediterranean Sea, etc. And then all of, you know, the hills and rivers and you know, rocky, hot areas, all, it's, it's just a huge, huge area, and there's a lot of geological stuff going on down there. And some of those, some of those geological features, um, are, there's a gigantic central, uh, plateau in the middle <laughs> I'm of like, the country. <laughs> I'm, like, literally imagining, like, one really just gigantic mesa. <laughs> it's in the center. It's like Spain's zit. It's like, just right in the middle. <laughs> Just kidding, mesas are gorgeous. They're not a facial uh, interference. No. Um, but there are, are three rivers uh, that kind of intersect uh, in wine country in Spain. That's the Ebro River, the Duro River, and the Tahoe River. Uh, and those are all in uh, slightly different uh, directions of each other. But um, there's lots of mountain ranges which help create rain shadows for oh, vineyards. Yeah. And I looked up the definition of a rain shadow and I still don't get it. <laughs> I like kind of get it. I kind of understand it. It's just like the the weather hits the mountain and then it all happens on the mountain and then everything to the side to like behind those mountains basically doesn't get precipitation. So I don't know why. I just know that that is the thing. So the mountain is cockblocking the rain. Basically, it's cockblocking the valley. And that's actually what happens here in um, eastern uh, Washington and Oregon. Is And that's why it's much more drier and desert like out there. It's because of the rain shadow. This makes me think of Cat Stevens. <laughs> I'm thinking of a rain shadow. Rain shadow. <laughs> go by now. Uh, Yusuf Islam, I think, is what Cat Stevens goes Oh, by. I didn't realize that Cat Stevens changed his name. I don't even know if his real name is Cat Stevens. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Let's talk about some main grapes uh, of Spain. Just a quick overview. Uh, Tempranillo is a big one. Mm-hmm. Mobile Granacha. We got, wait, Granacha. 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 Uh, Monastrel. Monastrel is a.k.a. Morvedra. Um, yeah, that's just a they smattering of popular red grapes as far as... We got some uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. We've got some Syrah as well. Um, And then Tempranillo is is the big one. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Essentially, Tempranillo is is to Spain what uh, Malbec is to Argentina or, you know... (laughs) Uh, Pinot Noir is to Oregon, etc. It's its its main, main, main grape. <laughs> yeah, it's it's what it hangs its hat on. Ah. For me to insert a proverb <clears throat> there, yes, that's what those are called. 
so yeah, we are going to start out uh, in northern Spain and we are going to be talking about Tempranillo, but first I kind of want to go more cooler climate and okay. then moving into those more warmer climate regions like Rioja. And, uh, so I'll be talking about three uh, regions, Bierzo, Ribeiro, Del Duro, mm -hmm. and Rioja. So let's get started with beautiful uh, wine from Bierzo. Uh, so Bierzo is in northwest Spain. Cool. It's a cooler climate region. Um, Bierzo is split into uh, two kind of little sub areas. There's Bierzo Alta, which means high. Mm -hmm. So that's on the uh, more higher elevation. There's mountains, there's slopes, um, very mineral rich. And then there's Bierzo Bajo, which is the lowlands. Uh, which are just kind of wide open plains. Gotcha. I'm guessing the higher up stuff is fancier, maybe. Um, I, not necessarily. No, okay. it's, it's just gonna it's have. Split. It's just gonna have a little bit more uh, rich acidity. Not rich acidity. That's not the right. Uh, it's gonna have more acidity. Mm -hmm. Acidity can't really be rich. <laughs> <laughs> but it can have money. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's closer proximity to the Atlantic Ocean, so we're gonna have those cooler ocean breezes coming in. Uh, the soil is slate and granite, so a lot of wines from Bierzo um, have a really nice minerality nice. Uh, to them. Uh, it's a macro climate, so it's not as as wet and cool as the main region in Northwest, which is Galicia, mm -hmm. uh, but it's also not going to be as hot as stuff closer to uh, the Ribeiro del Duro. Uh, it also, wines from Bierzo also have to go through the oak aging classification labeling system, which we're going to get to when we talk about uh, Rioja and the other one, Ribeiro del Duro. So Bierzo it mostly grows 90, like a very high percentage in the 90s of a grape called Mencia. Ah, yes. Uh, it also grows a little bit of Cabernet Sauvignon and Grenache, but this is the grape that is this uh, region's Shining favorite child. <laughs> uh, and Mencia is a grape that primarily uh, grows in Spain, Portugal, a little, little tiny bit in Chile. Um, but Spain and Portugal are where you're going to see this grape come from. It's got a lot of floral notes, red mm. fruits. It's a very kind of aromatic, lighter red. Nice. So similar kind of to a Pinot. Mm -hmm. um, it's got um, I, I would say some like classic flavors that you might get with a menciar cherry gravel pomegranate strawberry and it's got a, quite a bit of that white pepperiness it's a great food wine it's gonna go really well um, with maybe lighter meats okay. um, barbecue um, tapas, of course. All, <laughs> all things Spain. <laughs> all things. Going with all things tapas <laughs> is basically the lesson that I've learned. Yeah. So that's what I have going on here. Let's give it a taste. Let's give it a taste. Put it in my mouth. So this is from a uh, <clears throat> winery called Vina de Moya. I tried to get some more information on it, but it uh, didn't really have a lot. It's, it's so funny how you think every single wine is going to have a really informational website for you. Right? And, and it doesn't. really doesn't. And I've seen this one before. I thought that, you know, maybe there's a lot of um, Spanish wines out there that have birds on the labels, we have noticed. Yes. And um, <laughs> it, I don't know, it just has a very, like, clean-looking label. It looks 
technically savvy, technologically savvy as a wine. So, <laughs> so like uh, one thing that we're gonna probably talk about a bunch today is Spain loves to age their wine in oak. Yeah, they do. Oak. So you get a lot of oak, no matter where you're. Even in your white wines in Spain, which we're not gonna be focusing on white wines. But even, um, yeah, even white Riojas are going to be aged in oak for a certain amount of time, depending on their um, their their tier of aging, I guess is what I want to say. This is very purpley. Uh, so I, that that's a feature of this grape, actually, huh. is it is a little purpley. Uh, this is five months in French oak, and it says it's 100% Mencia old vine. Um, there are a lot of old vines in Spain. Um, it didn't get, I mean, it did get hit with phylloxera, but it got hit with phylloxera later mm -hmm. uh, than France did. So actually, there's a, re there's a reason a lot of people in Spain do use oak, because after phylloxera hit France, a lot of French vintners came over to grow wine in Spain, and they kind of were teaching um, mm -hmm. them oh, different yeah. styles. And then they bought the American oak, because they didn't have money for the French oak, because it was a newer wine region we learned about this in class. I thought it was really interesting. So the uh, older wines that were starting to be made with oak had a much more intense oak profile than um, your typical French oak. But now they're starting to, you know, now that they have a lot of clout, they're starting to use French oak again, which is kind of interesting. Um, definitely smells, you can definitely smell the oak and then it's definitely some peppery, kind of nice like plum. Yeah, for this one I got um, a little bit more fresh strawberry. 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 Uh, some crushed gravel. Uh, yeah, definitely some minerality. Some, like, it's, I don't know, this was just a very fresh smelling wine to me, like fresh herbs. Um, and then on the palate, I got that this is a dry wine with very high acidity, mm. um, with medium tannins, medium alcohol, um, which, but barely, it's a 14.5. It's pretty high in alcohol, actually. Yeah, it does feel kind of hot. Hot in the mouth. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, our other new favorite term from class. Uh, it's hot in the mouth. <laughs> oh, God, creepy. I just sounded so creepy. Please forgive me, world. <laughs> um, yeah, I really I like, like this. Uh, light to medium body. It's kind of got a short finish, but I would put this in the porch pounder category. This oh, is something yeah. that I think would be really nice in summer. Nice in the summer. It'd be nice, a little chilled, just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, this is a good weeknight, easy drinking wine. I'm digging it. Yeah. So, Mencia, man. I had no idea. This is actually my yeah. first Mencia ever. I feel like such a... Like a Dweeb for not discovering this grape earlier, but it's tasty. Yeah, same. I feel like I've seen this a lot and just never tried it, and bummer for me until now. <laughs> Don't skip out on your mencias, guys. Okay, God, got it. <clears throat> what do we got next? Well, now we are, you know, like a book, we read left to uh, right, <laughs> so we're gonna turn the page here. And next we're going to um, another very popular uh, region. This is the Ribeiro del Duro, which means Riverbank of the Duro. Oh, okay. Uh, which is one of those uh, main rivers that I was telling you about. Uh, it's the third longest river in Spain. Uh, okay. Fun little uh, tidbit there. Uh, so the Ribeiro del Duro is almost exclusively a red wine producing region. Again, its aging oh. requirements are going to be the same as Rioja. Get mm -hmm. into that soon. Um, here, the reds are a lot more concentrated 
and bold and ripe, you're gonna get more black fruit flavors from yeah. this region than red fruit. Um, you're also gonna get uh, a really nice oak influences like uh, cocoa, uh, vanilla, and then, I mean, the wines and beer can be pretty intense, so mm -hmm. I would even go into like coffee and peat okay. or some other notes that you're gonna get. Uh, this region was pretty much known for mediocre wine until the 1980s. Um, people just didn't really give a shit, so they would just let their line, like wine sit on the leaves and not stir it, and then not rinse out their barrels afterwards, and people mm. were like, F that ass. And then two guys, I didn't get this far, maybe for another episode, we'll call them Bert and Ernie for now. They were like, hey, this is our home. This is, I need to have more respect for this Aww. shit. So, thanks Bert. Thanks, Bernard. <laughs> it was actually two oh, bodegas, which in America we think of as cute mini marts with cats, but... <laughs> that but make excellent breakfast sandwiches. Bodega <laughs> is actually uh, Spanish for cellar. Oh, <laughs> oh, like cellar, like downstairs. Like a, wine, like a wine cellar. Huh. So that's why, so these places in wine are referred to as bodegas. So two bodegas decided in the 80s that they wanted to... Huh. Up the ante. Cool. Uh, so the land here is very interesting. As I was reading about this, it made it sound like kind of like romantic and masculine, like Ooh. a weird romance novel. Ooh. So <laughs> uh, this it's very harsh and intense. Lots of sun, modest rainfall, but very cold winters. Um, so it is hot during the day, very cold at night. It's on an elevated plateau, and it's also an area that grows a shit ton of sugar beets. Hmm. So when the wine isn't growing, there's sugar beets growing down below. Sugar beets. Uh, the vines are very old and gnarly. Uh, they come out of the ground looking like gothic ghost Slenderman things. <laughs> <laughs> and the older the vine, the lower the yield. Um, and then the main grape in Ribeiro del Duro is Tempranillo. However, they call it something else. They call it Tinto Fino. Oh, okay. So it's the local name. That's there. confusing as shit. It's, it is. It's, I think, any time we're in the old world. Because Fino gets used in, share, like, Fino Sherry and Oh Lord. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, nope, they decided that that was going to be their yeah. their own thing. Great. Thanks. Thanks. Duero. <laughs> Duro. I'm sorry, not Duero. Duro. I could be fucking No, I think, you're, I think Duro is correct, and I think Duero is something in um, Portugal. But... It may be wrong. I've never been to either place. Uh, it's all good. Oh, wait. Maybe it is Duero. Duero del Duero? Have I been saying Duro? I think so. Uh, I probably need to pronounce the U more. Duero. Duero. Okay. Well, I wasn't sure if I was mixing it up, but anyways, we're learning. <laughs> Something to look into later. Um, uh, so this... I guess it's probably a good time to talk about those aging classifications, yeah. just so we can kind of understand why this wine I'm about to whip out uh, has written what has written. <clears throat> so, as we mentioned earlier, uh, oak is pretty much a very important part of mm -hmm. the Spanish winemaking process, and there's three main classifications, or there's four technically. So the first one is jo Hoven. 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 Hoven means young. It, there's no aging, essentially. So yeah. Hoven is table wine. Um, there's nothing, you know, <laughs> there's no requirements around how to age or not age it, essentially. Um, and then next we have Crianza, mm -hmm. which has a total year-long, two-year-long two requirement. Six months of that has to be in barrel. 
And then the rest, um, it, it doesn't really specify if there's a bottle aging requirement for Crianza. I think there's not technically. But, yeah. But uh, so six months in barrel in every other region except for Rioja and the Ribeiro del Duro. They are required to age for one year in barrel for Crianza. And, and then, then you move on to Reserva, which is um, three years total of aging. So it requires 18 months um, of aging, I believe, in the bottle plus six months in the barrel. Um, and then whites and rosés get to have their own rules, but we're just going to focus on reds for now. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is a lot of information. <laughs> You're not going to remember all of this, but just, uh, I guess the... When we, when we finish up, we'll recap and be like, from youngest to oldest. Yeah, and I think that's just, because that's going to be on a ton of bottles. Right. And it's just going to help you decide how much oak influence you are wanting for your wine. 100%. Um, Tempranillo is a grape that really takes takes oak well. <laughs> takes oak well. You know, like, it, it takes oak well, just like um, a really good office worker takes criticism well. Exactly. Yep. And then improves on their performance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Grand Reserva is the next tier. Uh, this is five years total. Two of it needs to be in barrel and two there needs to be two additional years of bottle aging after that. Um, all right. So let's get into this wine. Cool. This and, and yeah, just to, to recap. So Hoven, youngest. Crianza, next step up in aging. Reserva, next step up after that. Grand Reserva is going to be the oldest. And you could... They, this is very clear on all the labels, so if you see that, you know what it means. All right, so this wine is uh, fucking delicious. <laughs> it's so good. So what's interesting about this is on this label, the name of the producer is Val Satio. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a Crianza. It's from 2011, which mm-hmm. is kind of old. <laughs> That's like uh, 10, almost 10 years ago. Damn. So... But if it's a Crianza, it had to spend at least, again, six months in barrel. Mm-hmm. And then maybe, who knows what this person did. Maybe they aged it. I, I didn't have time to um, look up this producer, but here we go. <clears throat> and is this 100% Tempranillo? This is 100% Tempranillo, yes. Oh, wow. Um, I got a real earthiness to it, for sure. This wine is vanilla, tobacco, mm-hmm. cedar, huckleberry. What my the thing that kills me about this wine mm-hmm. is that it tastes exactly like a plum. <laughs> like huh. afterwards, like it's got a very long finish and it tastes like plum skin. Um, so this is a wonderful dry wine with medium acidity, medium plus tannins. It's um, about 14.5% alcohol, so about the same as the last one. Full body, um, very pronounced flavors. Fuck, that's delicious. I know, it's so freaking good. Oh, I liked that one before, but this is like, this is definitely something special. Yeah. Where did you find this? Uh, so this, I got at Division Wines. It was, he was pouring it on the menu, and I just was having like an hour-long orgasm with some bread and olive oil in this. <laughs> and then I just needed to have a bottle for the podcast. So, good choice. Mm. Got it. Yeah, it definitely has all of those beautiful oaky notes. Um, yeah, definitely getting the plum, I'd say. Definitely some, um, a little bit of black fruit as well. Maybe, like, not super ripe, but it's delicious. Yeah, so again, if you 
find that maybe you like something a little heavier, darker mm -hmm. than uh, a Rio, like a Rioja, mm -hmm. which is also going to be Tempranillo or sometimes a mix of Tempranillo and Grenache. Mm -hmm. If you want something a little heavier, look to the region of Ribeiro del Duero. You know what? That rolls off the tongue better. It does. Duero. Duero. <laughs> Sounds like a burrow. Mmm. <laughs> high on the ranking. Mm -hmm. I'm already anticipating. <clears throat> and you have one more, correct? I have one more. Now, this one I'm going to try and go with. There's a lot of information on the most popular, mm -hmm. the most well-known region, mm -hmm. which is uh, Rioja. Rioja. Rioja <laughs> is, um, there are only two so we've talked about this before on labels, D-O-A, D-O-C, D-O-C-G, mm -hmm. lots of consonants smushed together with some vowels. Every country has its own thing. Mm -hmm. So there are D-O's mm -hmm. for most of Spain, and then there's only two regions that get to be a, a D-O-C-A, D-O-C-A, and that is um, Rio. Rioja, and then what's the other one? Priorette. I don't know how to say it. Prior, Prior. Priorat? Priorat? Yeah. P-R-I-O-R-A-T. Uh, in 2008, the Duro, Ribeiro del Duro tried to apply, but it was not granted permission to be that. And I don't know why. Sounds like there might be some political dick-swinging going on in that. <laughs> As we're so often. Who knows? Uh, so Rioja is the communities of La Rioja and Navarra. Navarra produces um, a little bit more Granacha, mm. but they also produce Tempranillo. Uh, there's three zones within Rioja. There's the Rioja Alta, the Rioja Alvesa, and the Rioja, mm, this might be different now, Oriental. I don't know why we would call a region <clears throat> Oriental in Spain, but. <clears throat> so the Alta is the one of the more popular, well-known ones. It's the second in produ production. The Alta also has a higher elevation and it's gonna have brighter wine. Salvesia has got a lower vine density. Um, and then the other one, the Oriental, <laughs> oh god, has a more Mediterranean climate. <clears throat> so, fun quick little facts, because I love, I love my history. Okay. <laughs> I love my history about Rioja. Um, the 1650 was the first uh, declaration to protect the uh, quality of the wine. Uh, 1970, oak regulations were approved. Uh, 2019, they had a new classification system. And there's a town uh, in Spain, or in Rioja, called Haro. And every single year, they have a big wine festival called the Batala de Vino, mm. which is essentially a big wine and food fight. And everybody dresses up in white and like puts wine and squirt guns. And what? That's yeah. crazy. There's crazy, there's crazy, crazy uh, pictures of it. That's so like, cool. Um, <clears throat> Rioja is also um, aged in oak mm -hmm. longer than before release than any other wine in, in the world. Huh. So there's that fun fact. <clears throat> so this is um, this is a not a classic example I would say of Rioja because it doesn't have the um, the thing on the label that we were talking about, which leads me to believe that this just might be a Josen. Or a Hoven, sorry. Hoven, yeah. I keep wanting to pronounce the J. 
Uh, it's a Hoven. It's a 2017, so uh, I'm just going to call it a Hoven. So there's probably not going to be a lot of oak on this one, but we'll have another example of an oak Tempranillo here in a second. Uh, this is apparently a family of, what's, I can't remember the family name family on there. Family name is Ontanio. So this is a pretty well-known producer and they partnered with a local grocery store here in town these seasons to make this very cute 100% um, Tempranillo from Rioja. It's got a cute little pig on it with it a bird. Does. With a bird! With a bird! Another bird label. Another bird label. So this one... A lot of juicy red berry, cherry, yep. um, a little bit of cranberry, white pepper. Um, you can tell there's not a lot of oak influence at all on this. Um, it's good to have an example of something that is younger and juicier because it, you know, reminds you that like, oh, oak is something very specific and very easy to detect. Exactly. Um, and then I also just had a quick few facts about Tempranillo in general because it's it is one of the most important grapes in Spain. So I accidentally swallowed it. <laughs> <laughs> Darn. Oopsie. So Tempranillo comes from the Spanish word temprano, means early. So Tempranillo is a very uh, early ripening grape. Mm -hmm. um, it's the fourth most planted variety in the world, and it's wow. one of the noble grapes. Yeah, yes. it grows a lot of places. It grows, um, it's very popular. 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 <laughs> Pop Gonna be popular. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody, that's in your head now. <laughs> Uh, Washington grows quite a bit of Tempranillo. That's true. Even uh, Oregon is starting to grow it. Oregon grows um, it. California grows it. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't you know. Oh, don't you know. Uh, it's got really uh, nice... The tan levels can be high. Uh, it can also have high acidity, but that's going to be balanced by that oak. Um, so that might be uh, one of the main reasons that it does get... I mean, aside from a history mm -hmm. of vinters wanting to use it, it just takes oak really well, as we mentioned uh, earlier. Something that was interesting that our teacher mentioned is that um, it's really easy if you're blind tasting it to um, to mix up with with Pinot Noir, which I feel like Pinot. I've been we've been drinking Pinot Noir for so long that I feel like oh my god, I know what Pinot Noir tastes like. I know what it smells like. But I bet if you put them two together because it's so fruity, um, it takes oak so well. I bet that it would be very easily confused. Mm -hmm. It's not super heavy. And this one almost is is, is a little thin mm -hmm. uh, on the on the palate. I got this great little chart from Cute. a recent episode of uh, recent episode because that's how magazines are released. <laughs> too many Netflix, too many Netflix shows. <clears throat> a recent um, article. Thank you, Jesus, and wine enthusiasts. Apparently, 2017 was a difficult year for Rioja. Devastating April frosts in Rioja and the Duro Valley resulted in a massive reduction in yields, and a dry, hot summer caused what did survive to be very intense and tannic. Summer. Okay, that makes sense. And this is definitely for as um, light as it is, it definitely has quite a bit of tannin to it. And But I think that, you know... For if you found a 2017 that had um, a Reserva or a Grand Reserva, that would be a really good deal, probably. Mm -hmm. That's another thing, like because because Spain has all of these strict oak aging requirements, you can get really nice aged wines for relatively inexpensive prices. Yeah. Um, we're gonna try a Grand Reserva here in a second, and I don't think it was over 20. That's great. It might have been. It might have been 21, but that's the thing. Like, mm -hmm. and that that wine is from 2007, and it's 
you'd expect a 2007 of maybe a different grade from another region being probably upwards in the 60s, mm-hmm. $75 range. Uh, one quick, that 2011 that we had earlier mm-hmm. was an excellent vintage. Top ah. Rioja Grand Reserves and Reward Long-Term Celery. The Ribera del Duro uh, wines were more intense than usual. Mm. Yeah. So that was, yeah, there you go. Nice. Fun little pull. Yeah, thanks, wine enthusiast. Should we try that last one? Yeah, let's do it. <clears throat> This is a Grand Reserva from 2007. Um, it's from the Valdepeñas uh, region, which literally just translates to Valley of Rocks. <laughs> and um, it's been indicated as a wine growing region since ancient Romans, just like all the other wine growing regions, I feel like. <laughs> the ancient Rome is like the... It's like Rome or monks. <laughs> or maybe both. That's Who the knows? origin story for every single wine. <laughs> Found it in Rome, mm-hmm. cultivated by monks. Oh yeah, you can already see the aging on this immediately. It has much more of like a brownish tint to it, um, much more of kind of like a, of a, a reddish instead of a ruby. Um, sounds dickish. <laughs> <laughs> much more garnet, which I, I the other night I was like, Michael, I don't know the difference between garnet and ruby, or I'm having a hard time telling because put a dollar in the douchebag jar. <laughs> Yes, but I'm, when you see them side to side, you will be like, ah, yes. It's true. When it's you, true. you see a wine with a little bit more garnet um, or oranges, brownish tint, mm-hmm. um, that's a good indicator of age and oxidation. Um, honestly, I don't really have a, a lot of nice things to say about this wine. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Um, this is actually a pretty... Um, After I bought this at a wine shop, I started seeing it in grocery stores. I saw this label, not the specific wine, um, today while I was at New Seasons grabbing one of my sherries, and this feels flat and flabby. It's kind of weird. It's very, um, I put down like thin and watery. Yeah. It's got, um... What a bummer. It's got, it's, which is so bizarre to me for something that apparently spent... You Ten know, years. Two, well, two years in oak. Right. I don't taste any oak at all. Yeah. It must have been very neutral oak. Hmm. <laughs> it says, um, matured in oak barrels for at least 18 months in our cellars. Bright flavors of fruit compote and long velvety finish. I'm not getting any of that. Yeah, I mean, the flavors that I did get, and this was kind of a stretch, was um, some a little bit of dried strawberry, raspberry. Mm-hmm. I do get, like, cedar and cigar box, but, like, not... Oak. And there Something was a, interesting is this is only 13% alcohol. Exactly, and all the other ones that we've been drinking have been 145 mm-hmm. around there. So I just, I also would love to know why all of these Grand Reservas are putting these like gold brothel stockings. Um, <laughs> My favorite was when our teacher said it's because they're fancy. <laughs> it's because they're fancy. It's it's just like funny little cage which has very wide netting mm-hmm. and has no purpose whatsoever. I have seen this on Italian wines as well every once in a while, and it, I don't. If anybody out there can tell us why, yeah, please, I would like to know. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll post some pictures on the Instagram later, and any knowledgeable person about the golden fishnet stocking, uh, let us know <laughs> why it's there. <laughs> yeah, I just. Disappears mm-hmm. so quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, huh? That's so disappointing. Isn't it's disappointing. it so weird? It's disappointing and it's so bland. Yes. What a bland wine. 
I would not call this good. I would not. <laughs> I may not even call this adequate. I put, I put acceptable to acceptable, good. Acceptable, yeah, that's fair. Like, this is acceptable. Like I would like if somebody brought this to a party, I would probably still yeah, drink yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But like if for huh. talking about how much effort goes into a wine like this, mm-hmm. it's just surprisingly. And I don't know. Maybe there was a very wet year and the grapes got bloated that's with what water um uh, wet or maybe they just didn't ripen enough this year and like didn't produce enough sugars to i don't know hmm. yeah bizarro town bizarro town um, well speaking of bizarro town should we um surprise each other oh yes. yeah yeah we're gonna do the um we're gonna do the so the, the blind tasting a little bit early mm-hmm. and um, the reason for this is because we're gonna end with sherry and you don't want to go um you don't want to go back to dry wine from sweet wine because it's gonna make it just seem really drying and black yeah <laughs> exactly black is a real technical wine term <laughs> only the top master sommeliers use black <laughs> we do pronounce that one correctly <laughs> All right, on to the grand uh, surprising. <laughs> Ooh, grand Ooh surprise. the grand surprising. Is okay. it different than all of our other surprises ever? <laughs> this one's even grander than before. Uh, I don't think it's especially different, but you know what? Everyone's special. Um, that's what they especially tell 80s children. That's true. Okay, I want you... I guess you don't need to close your eyes, actually. Um... Oh, it's so light. Mm-hmm. Wow. Heck and pale. Damn, son. I can read some font through this one. Oh, yeah. You could read a whole book through that. I mean, it would take a while. It would take a while, but um, I'm going to pour some for myself as well. Oh, yeah. To taste along with you. I'm going to get a lot of... It's very bright red fruit, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Cranberry. More of that... I don't know. I'm just having. I'm obsessed with this pepper note that I keep getting in all these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit. Wines. I'm getting a little bit of that too. It's definitely got like a little bit of a spice in it for sure. A little bit of a pepper, maybe like a pink peppercorn or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very fresh red fruit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, it's so pretty. It's like a. It's weird. It's like bordering mm-hmm. on. Very, very, very dark rosé. Yeah. It's so, like the extraction is so light on it. It's pretty interesting. I know. <laughs> it's um, it's bright red fruit in the mouth. Almost like a candy expression, I would say. Kind of like you would expect on a, on a rosé. Yeah, it's, it has got a little bit like candy. Yeah, candy red fruit. But light, it's not, it's off dry. Mm. Would you say? I'm tasting some sugar. No, it shouldn't be. Hmm. But it's so fruity that I can see how you might think, Yeah. Like, oh, this has a little bit of residual sugar. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's really tasty. What grape is this? <laughs> it's supposed to be a Spanish grape. We're talking about Spain. It is a Spanish grape. So this is, uh, this is... Hey, yeah, I have to guess. I want to guess. Oh, wait, yeah, guess. Is it, uh... Nope. I don't know. Is it Morvedra? No. No. It's Tempranillo. It is. (laughs) 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 Off to the races. 
It's the... Um, oh, it is! It is, yeah. It's the Chacolina. So oh, um, wow. this comes from... This is actually northern, even though it's focusing on southern. Um, I got this over the summer, and it's from Spain's Basque country, and it's really hella in vogue right now, so you'll see this in a lot of places. Oh, Mostly is rosés or white. It's um, the, the local grape is... Hondarabi? I think I'm saying that right. Hondarabi, I'm not sure. Um, but it's produced on Spain's Atlantic coast, so it has a lot cooler influences, um, higher acidity, but really fruity, really easy to drink. And the rosé will actually have a little bit of effervescence. It's almost like it's sparkling. We actually had a rosé at the beach house this summer of that. Yes. Type. And it, it did have that I kind of effervescence. I love ever- it. I love it so much. I'm so obsessed with this wine right now. And it's Choco... Chocolina. And it's spelled um, T-X-A-K-O-L-I-N-A. I thought that this type of wine, because of the way it was spelled, was Greek. For a while. It looks Greek when you have a bunch mm-hmm. of con- quite like uh, Eastern Europe when you have a bunch of consonants mm-hmm. smushed together. Yeah, but Chakali uh, is the uh, denomination de origin or the video. Yeah. What a bold choice for labeling! Yeah. It's like you know what, bitch, we're making a bright <laughs> ass purple, bright ass label. Label. This doesn't even have a, a a vintage on it. It is also very. It's this is what I was uh, told a porch pounder. This is only 12% alcohol, so definitely chill this, drink it on a hot summer day. It is fantastic. Mmm. Delicious. Yeah. God. Alright. Well, surprisingly. I don't have a baggie around mine. Close your eyes! You can start sniffing. Okay, smelling oak. It's not terribly, um, it's pretty light looking. Not quite as light as the one that we just tried, but kind of strawberry. And maybe like a little bit of like kind of dried herbs, like a, like a sage or something. Oh, I wrote down strawberry and dried herbs too. Aww. Aww, same Aww. I kind of always lean towards a particular grape. Mm. Mm. It is a little thin, though. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a really, it's a light-bodied red. Um, finish is kind of short. So I think this is, again, just kind of like a, you know, a casual, maybe tapas wine. Mm-hmm. Not, um, not a lot of crazy structure to it. It definitely has, like, a little bit of an and there's definitely some nice acidity. So, like, it's balanced, but, yeah, it's not really, like, like green. I dig it. Have any guesses? I do. <coughs> is this... And I'm not, I don't know if I'm saying this right. Is this Bilal? It is not. Oh, shit! I did want to try it. I think that'll have to be for another episode. Yeah. I am very curious, but I haven't even had a Bobal. A Bobal. <laughs> before. Um, fuck, I am... It doesn't seem like Tempranillo. Maybe it's 
our nachos. Correct. Yay, because it's so fruity. That makes it, sense. And that's the reason why it's thin. Mm-hmm. Um, not all granachos are thin, but they tend to be thin because they get blended a lot with Tempranillo. Mm. So those two things kind of create a nice uh, harmony it's with totally. each other. This is delightful. I love Grenache more than anything. Uh, yeah, Grenache is one of my, Grenache Grenache is one of my favorite red grapes as well. Um, and this is a another adorable fucking oh, label. With it's, a beautiful tree on it. Oh, and some of those little, like, goofy vines, old vines down there. <laughs> they're all goofy. It's goofy because they're all wiggly. <laughs> you silly vines. You silly vines. You're so wiggly. You're so wiggly. Um... So this is from the Terra Alta, mm-hmm. uh, which I mentioned was in Rioja. Okay. I, uh, so <clears throat> this is a uh, clay uh, soil, poor in organic matter. I don't know what that means. Typically, when we talk about organic matter and soil, I think we're talking about like deposits and stuff, yeah. right? So just interesting. Climate here is scarce rainfall with many hours of sun. Sense Grenache needs a lot of heat to ripen. It does. Low yield vines, we were mentioning that there are a lot of older vines in Spain, um, and the older the vine, the lower the yield you're going to get. Um, yeah, this is, this is a nice one. This is really nice, yeah. 100%, 100% Grenache. Um, so, again, if a wine is labeled Rioja, it's going to either be 100% Tempranillo or it's going to be a mixture of Tempranillo and Grenache. The more you go into um, Navarra, mm-hmm. it's going to be more Grenache dominated or 100% uh, Grenache. I keep saying Grenache. Like I know, because Grenache. Grenache. So sorry, Spain. And Grenache actually uh, originates from Spain, I believe. Yeah. Like, yeah. It is originally from Spain. Yeah. A lot of people probably think it's originally from French. From French. It's from French. <laughs> you know, sometimes you're from French, sometimes you're from Engle, English. Linglish. Linglish. <laughs> sometimes you're from... Uh, Espanol. Espanol. <laughs> There's many places to be from if you're a wine, if you're a young wine. Impressionable wine. <laughs> young, impressionable wine. Oh, man. Oh, that was fun. That was a good, good blind taste. Fun wine tasting. Love that we stayed within uh, Spain for all of this. Mm-hmm. I think we showed up, showed everybody because everyone's watching us right now. Showed That's how it works. Yep. Um, just a nice, a nice uh, snapshot of northeast, northern, northwest mm-hmm. um, Spain. Yeah. Well, let's move south, shall we? <gasps> oh, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's take a little train down south. So there's there's a couple southern regions, but um, when we're going to be focusing on sherry, it's mostly going to be um, within the Andalusia region of Spain. So that's southern, it's on the coast, it is um, on the Mediterranean Sea. So to the east of the Mediterranean, the west is the Atlantic Ocean, and it's home to the hottest, driest summers in Spain. It's split up into five different DOs. Uh, I'm going to butcher these. Uh, Huelva, um, San Lucar de Barrameda, uh, the Eras region, which is where the majority of um, your sherries are going to come from that you're going to be getting off the shelf, the Montilla, and the Malaga. 
Um, there's a couple different types of sherry. Most, not all sherries are sweet. You think of sherry and you think of your sweet mother's cookie wine, mm. <laughs> probably. Um, but there's there's fino and manzanilla, which is kind of the lightest style. It's going to be aged under 10 years. There's amontillado, which is uh, when it begins to oxidize and take on those kind of more like nutty notes. Um, there's palo cortado. Uh, begins to take on even more rich oxygen, and then there's Oloroso, which is aging 10, sorry, 20 to 25 years. Um, it's gonna, yeah, same Jesus. amount of time. Like that's a, Ooh. that's it's gone to college and graduated already. Like <laughs> we should get more of our children like birth cherries. Birth cherries, <laughs> and then when the child is old enough to drink, you can uh, give them you a cherry. Okay, next, next friend that has a baby or something, I will buy it an, a birth cherry. <laughs> yes. Mark my word. Um, <laughs> I, know, well, I feel like all of my friends have already had their children, but mm-hmm. yes. Um, next next one. Next one. There's got to be another one out there. There's always a surprise, you know? Oh, Archie started barking at children today in public. That was fun. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, can I get my food to go? My dog's barking at my children. My dog's barking at children. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> I was also secretly like, good boy, good boy. <laughs> they are loud, aren't they? <laughs> yes, back to cherries. Um, so, cherries mostly made from uh, grape called Palomino Fino. Palomino Fino? Isn't that a fun show? I know, right? I'm like thinking of like majestic horses. I love Palomino. majestic horses. <laughs> <laughs> um, and these these grapes grow in the Ares, the Harris, Harris region, I guess. Harris, like the casino in Vegas? <laughs> no. Torino? It's J-E-R-E-S. Oh. Jerez? Jerez? That's probably a better way to say it. And um, chalky Albariza soils. So there's a couple different soil types in, in sherry growing region in Andalusia. Um, we're just going to focus on this Albariza. And it's soil that's made of marine sediment mixed with limestone and clay. Um... The Eros region doesn't allow for additional, um, <coughs> excuse me, additional irrigation outside of like naturally occurring rain. So it'll rain a bunch, and then in the summer it'll dry out. And the interesting thing is the limestone and the um, and calcium underneath kind of soaks up all of the the water, and then the soil forms a thick crust and hardens during the summer, and then that prevents evaporation. Whoa, yeah. So even though it's super hot and super dry down there and they're not allowed to irrigate, they produce these grapes that become extremely ripe and turn into cherries. Isn't that crazy? I love it. Yeah. So um, we are going to start out with a dry cherry. I'm sorry, I thought we were... I was like, oh, I'm just going to have a little sip of this oh, while you talk. No and then mm. um, I can talk a little bit about the producer first. So this is... Um, not terribly expensive sherry. So sherry, like I said, a lot of them are are dry. They're gonna have kind of a nutty um, and fo- like salinity to them. Mmm, I um, love a salty one. Yeah, <laughs> and they're gonna go real good with seafood. Again, great with tapas. Great with salty stuff. Um, it's gonna be very light in color. It's gonna be very thin, kind of feeling in the mouth. Um, this producer called um, Barbadillo has been around for a bajillion years. They're a really large producer. Uh, they were founded in 1821. They make a bunch of different cherries. Um, so 
something that's kind of interesting is that so they're um, they're aged in the cask under the floating layer of yeast, and the floating layer of yeast for sherry is called floor. 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 Um, yeah. So this unique aging process, I'm literally reading off the back, gives the sherry its characteristic straw color, almond aroma, and crisp, dry flavor. So it floats on top of it. Not doesn't sink to the bottom. Um, it floats under. So oh, the yeast okay. floats on top, and then yeah. Under the yeast. I just thought it would be really ironic if it floated on top and it was called floor. <laughs> <laughs> the floor yeast is literally on the floor. <laughs> this is my first, I don't know, I think this is, this is my first, first dry sherry. Yeah. Or sherry in general. No, I think I've had sherry when I was in England um, when I had already had too much to drink. So couldn't really. <laughs> so this is from the, the Ares region. Um, it's pretty light, um, but it is, you know, 15% uh, alcohol, so, you know. Fina, okay, so Fina. I was ripe in the crepe. And oh my god, it yeah. smells like... Oh my god, I'm so excited for you. <laughs> this isn't the most amazing sherry you're going to experience. It's, this is like $9 sherry. But... It's like nutty and melon. Mm-hmm. It's like, how can you smell like nuts and melon at the same time? Yeah, what did I... Oh, I don't know mm-hmm. if I wrote down any notes for this one. I did for the other ones. Um, but yeah, it has a nuttiness to it. Uh, when you taste it, you're going to taste the salinity, which is going to be kind of... It doesn't taste like it smells. No, it doesn't. Not at all. all. Yeah. Kind of puckery, salty flavor at the end. And it has a very long finish, kind of, even though it's kind of a cheaper and it's not super aged. It's yeah. very interesting. Um, I would want sherry is a fun fun thing to, to mess around with. Yeah, I wanted to be completely surprised mm-hmm. uh, today. I've not really read anything on it and we haven't gotten to that uh, session of our class mm-hmm. yet <laughs> um but oh yeah so interesting Isn't it crazy i do want it with some food i get it with some of this um prosciutto this ham this prosciutto we didn't we couldn't get amon oh, we did get prosciutto because we're not rich sorry <laughs> even though because we spent too much money on wine <laughs> true story true story um but yeah this is just a mo- meant to be easy drinking with some Tasty, probably salty cured snacks. I had no idea. I thought sherry was like strictly a dessert mm-hmm. wine. I, I did too. I guess I'm lying to you. I have had sherry at um, there's a restaurant in town which has an amazing uh, sparkling and um, dessert and sherry and port menu. It's Picks Patisserie. Oh yeah, on Burnside. Um, I think they have like an award-winning sparkling wine. Yeah, they have it's, menu. It, their menu is like a fucking book. I mean, so cool. It's overwhelming, and they do sherry flights mm-hmm. there. But all the sherries that I tried were sweet. So. Oh, okay. Well, let's move into the sweet realm, shall we? Let's do it. Oh, let's do it. Let's get that blue cheese. <gasps> yes. So blue cheese is are, are really funky cheeses are really great with sweet wines. <laughs> I can't explain why. Actually, I probably can. Um, it's like uh, contrasting flavors. It's like creamy and funky and sweet. Oh, oh whoa! Yeah, <laughs> this is this is brown. Yeah, we just opened up um, this cream sherry, which is going to be a sweet sherry. Um, so this is uh, Lustau East India Solera sherry, and you've definitely seen this producer around. Uh, I see that font. You I see feel that like. font, and I don't know why. I see, I see port like this as well. Yes. Which is 
not produced in the same area, so I don't know what the, maybe there's like a, a large conglomerate or something that produces this, or maybe that's just the style, but yeah, it has this like stamped font on the label, there's not like an actual physical paper label. Anyways, yeah, this is a 20% um, ABV, and it is Oloroso and Pedro Jimenez grapes, which are matured separately for 12 years. Then they're blended and returned to um, a cask Solera for three years of aging. So the average age for this range, this um, rich kind of creamy uh, sherry is 15 years and it is a sweet style. Jesus, 15 years. 15 years. So this is a teenage wine. This is like when you get your car. Wow. <laughs> it's very... Um, it look it's like chocolate water. Yeah, it's brown. Brown I mean, smells like it smells like toffee and nuts mm-hmm. and um, I got some like dried pineapple, golden raisin, mm-hmm. a little bit of sandalwood. It's like yeah, it's so interesting. Um, I'm gonna put it in my mouth. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going on a journey. <laughs> Where are you? I'm in the... I'm a spelunker. I'm hunting for treasure. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the mouth journey is very... It's, it is hot, but it's not like saturating hot. Mm-hmm. Um, it is sweet, but it's not super... Um, it's not cloyingly sweet. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know cream sherry is has a reputation for maybe being that way mm-hmm. um yeah oh yeah. my god i'm gonna try it with blue cheese now it's definitely sweet it's so good with the cheese mm-hmm. oh my god that's a good cheese oh fuck and i also have a little bit of pear <coughs> oh here. Yes. yeah good try it with that oh i drank it all <laughs> give, give me another hint mm-hmm. oh my god and, you know, you think, like, oh, I don't really like sweet wines. I feel like that's something that people say and something that I've said. You try sherry like this, you're not really going to be, like, Great. saying that anymore. <laughs> Lovely. Well, if you think that this is bonkers, Pedro Menace is going to blow your fucking mind. Oh, I, this, this grape, I feel like, also makes dry wine, though. I've had, like, a... Yes, you are thinking of something else, and I forget, it's, it's pronounced the same way, but it is a different grape, okay. and I have had that before, and that is fucking delicious. It's like kind of a, almost like a Pinot Grigio, but a little bit more of that kind of like, um, Pop Rocks feel in your mouth, like yeah. a, like a Gruner Veltliner so or that's, something. It's, but it's Pedro something else? It's Pedro Jimenez, but it is... With it, I don't think it's an X, it's something else. It's like a J or a G. And I've had it before because Mimi's actually sold it to me. That's our wine teacher. And um, I came back to her and I started talking about the Pedro Jimenez, the Pedro Jimenez. And she was like, what? I don't think I gave that to you for your Thanksgiving. <laughs> Why would I give like, you this really fancy brown wine, <laughs> sweet wine to drink to your friend's Thanksgiving? And I realized it's different grapes. Hmm. Let's move on to the granddaddy. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Pedro Jimenez in general. So it's an overly ripe grape that uh, is additionally dried in the sun on straw mats. 
which we're kind of familiar with that method right now. So it achieves super high sugar. This grape is most widely grown in Spain. It's also grown in, I think, Australia a little bit as well when mm. I was reading about it. So they raisin the grapes to concentrate the sugar, but uh, maintains the natural acidity, which is how you can get such sugary wine and still have it be very drinkable. And it's been growing in Spain for many, many moons. <laughs> Early, so Technical aging term, yes. Yes, it's very susceptible to botrytis as a, and a bunch of other mildews. Um, and this producer was recommended to me at the bottle shop. It has, it's very well rated. It is, um, Alvier, and it says Solera 1927. Obviously, this is not a wine from 1927. I was going to say, damn, girl! Because <laughs> that the lottery? <laughs> insane. I think it was, uh, <laughs> that might have, I don't know what the 1927 refers to. It doesn't say anything about it on the label. Oh, here that we go. Been... There it is. The Solera system for this naturally sweet wine started in 
don't think we have a wine term, or did we? Um, wine term of the week? We didn't, and I forgot. I already talked about the soils. Which... <laughs> you know what? It's fine. We're going to skip the wine term of the week. Skip the wine term of the week. We, we should don't need to. We should oh. rate our wine. Let's rate our and wine. And then play seven things. All right. So, Hallie. Yes. Out of all the wines today. Ooh. It's going to be crazy. Because they're all so different. They're all so different and all so good. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to take them all out. Mm-hmm. So we can kind of look at it. Yeah. And then I should definitely take a picture with this glorious spread at some point, too. Um. <clears throat> wow. Wow. Well, let's start on the end that you like the least. Um. I'm. I mean, the winner of uh, least... Performing wine <laughs> is, the one, is the one that I've already like separated <laughs> it from the group. Unconsciously, I put it away from everything else. <laughs> the Anziano um, Valdepena 10-year uh, Grand Reserve Tempranillo. Sorry, buddy, you suck. Yeah, talk Boo. about Go some. Home. Yeah. <laughs> Take your stupid cage and get the fuck <laughs> out of here. Um, and then I would say. Um, I know. I almost kind of want to separate these the the sherries from That's the. Fair. Let's rate the wines and then rate the sherries. Let's well, do that. That's a very clear. Clear. We're like clear winners. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um. I guess and then going back over to these. Mm-hmm. Um. Then I mean then the Grenache. Mm-hmm. And then I mean. I really like the Mencia and the Chocolina. Those are probably tied just because mm-hmm. they're both so um, poundable. <laughs> poundable rating. In the drink. Very high. <laughs> yeah, we're going to actually start a new wine scale about poundability. <laughs> and then, I, I totally pound it. And then the Val Sotilla is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is my favorite of our straight reds today yeah. is this uh, 2011 Valsalita Crianza from Ribeiro del Duero. So <clears throat> that's that's what I'm that's what I'm digging. I would 100% agree with your order. I don't yeah. think I would even change it. Mm-hmm. Um, out of the sherries, what was your favorite? I mean, I really liked this. Uh, Lustau? Mm-hmm. Lustau, the second one. I did too. It was perfect. It wasn't too sweet. It had um, nice complexity. You just want to like have it with some food. Mm-hmm. And then probably the um, dry sherry. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to admit to you, I'm not a huge like raisin fan. That's fair. So I'm not either, usually. For me to drink essentially a liquefied raisin <laughs> wasn't... I mean, was it, wasn't your idea of a grand ten? I think of that really more. I mean, all of my description of it, I was like, let's put this on desserts mm-hmm. or breakfast food. It's I would experiment it with that. I would experiment mm-hmm. with it in that aspect. Definitely. But I also totally see how it is an acquired taste, and I could see myself eventually graduating to slowly sipping mm-hmm. it by a fire. Definitely talking so, so about majestic horses. It's kind of hard to, to take at the very end of. A bunch of wine tastings. I would, I would want this like with a meal at the very end for mm-hmm. dessert, like, like as a dessert for yeah. sure. I think it needs to be kind of in that category. Thank you so when much. you're ready for it. <laughs> yeah, but thank you so much for getting. It. Oh my god, of course. So that's that's my ranking. 
Where, where are you on the on the cherries? On the cherries, I would go. I love the loose style. The um, the cream cherry kind of has that. Like for the sweeter cherry, I expect it to be a higher alcohol. That kind of fortified deliciousness, but it still has a little bit of that salinity. Mm-hmm. And then I'd say the Pedro Mena is just because like that insanity of it is so cool and mind blowing. The the method and knowing everything behind it, and then. I'd go with just this kind of, um, the Barbadillo, which is really fun, but I'd like to try some of the slightly nicer dry cherries. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I, I'm definitely, you know, you've opened up my eyes to dry cherries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what are you going to do for your seven things, you think? Ooh. I'm actually going to do the sherry. Nice! Because I'm really enjoying it with the cheese. Um, just a little bit. If you don't mind, if I do that. Val. Oh, please do. So to you. Should probably have a glass of this after anyway. Yeah. I was like, I want to revisit that. That's perfect. Yeah. So good. Oh. Although going back to, like we said, going back to dry after sweet, this may not taste quite as great, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> All right, Hallie. Oh yes. <clears throat> Seven things you would do while drinking loose style East India Solera sherry. Hmm. I want to wake up to a fall crisp sunset. Ooh, look at my wall. You want to walk, wake up to the sunset? <laughs> I mean the sunrise. No, you said sunset. I'm you're sticking with it. Yep. All right. So sleep all day and wake up to the sunset. I'm gonna sleep all day and I'm gonna wake up to the sunset. What? Cool crisp sunset. <laughs> uh, I'm going to uh, feed my. Uh, my pigs a healthy diet of uh, hazelnuts and uh, cabbage. I am going to build a tree house and sleep in it and tell spooky stories to my friends. Aw, three. I'm going to knit a sweater for my dog. (laughs) Four. I am going to scream to the moonlight. Whoa! What are you going to scream at the moon? Um, what is that kid scream in the never-ending story? Like, uh, the name of the empress-like child? Yeah, I don't know. I know, that's the thing nobody knows, so I'll probably just do like, <laughs> I'm sure the answer is on the internet, and I feel like I've looked it up once, and the name was really terrible, and I was like, this is a letdown. Okay. Bye. Okay. Uh, I would go uh, crab fishing <laughs> on a cold on a cold morning because this will keep me nice and warm. Yeah, that's right. While you're out in the in the bay. In the in the bay in the harbor. In the harbor. Um, <laughs> six. Uh, I'm gonna put on my uh, sea shanty record. Everything is, I don't know, I had a very nautical theme last night in my show, and I'm just like carrying it, it over today. You know today. what, well, that makes sense, because it's, it's on the coast, mm. you go sherry by the sea, so yeah, seven, seven nautical things. <laughs> <laughs> Adrian, yeah. seven things you're going to do while you drink the lovely Val Sotillo. Sotillo. I'm gonna alphabetize all of my books. Ooh, one. Yeah, one. Um, I'm going to. Mm, I'm gonna. Ooh, I'm gonna like clean 
my car dashboard and like the wheel and like all those little nooks and crannies in your car that get filled up with dog hair or dirt or like have random pennies floating around for some Wow, reason. this wine is making you feel motivated. Yeah, it's making me feel real motivated. <laughs> me too. too. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to, ooh, I'm going to pick like a real classy restaurant that's like fancy and make a reservation there, but not like a hot, like super like talked about restaurant, just one that's been around for forever and is like solid food. Yeah. Yeah. Three. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna order a dessert when I'm there, which I don't typically do. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just probably. take like an offshoot of, yeah. the, of number three. Yeah, offshoot of number three. I'm going to continue that number three into number four. I'm going to order some chocolate cake. I never fucking eat chocolate cake. What's happening? <laughs> it's the wine. It's, it's probably the, wine. the cherry. <laughs> it's probably the cherry. Um, four. <laughs> um, I'm going to look at... Um, I'm going to look at majestic bird videos. <laughs> Yeah, Five. like probably a lot of hawks and things like that. Come hawk, come hawk, hawk come. <laughs> Improv um, game. Yeah. <laughs> and um, hmm, I'm gonna go to an apple harvest. Oh, yeah. very topical. It's yeah. fall, everybody. It's fall, everybody. I'm gonna go to an apple harvest. Sick. And um, yeah, I'm gonna buy a, a jug of cider and a bag of apples. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. And then. Right. But then there's also, like, you know, wine of the country right, and, yeah. and stuff like that. The uh, EU labeling that hopefully will give you a little smattering and a taste of, of uh, Spain. I mean, everybody's familiar with Tempranillo, right? And a lot of people are familiar with Grenache. But, like, it starts to experiment with, like, the types that you're getting and the aging on them um, and see how you like it or you don't. Yeah. I think a lot yeah. of people think Rioja is a grape. Yeah. You know? I did. I did. I did for a long time. For a long time. I didn't realize that there was white Rioja, red Rioja, probably rosé Rioja. Mm-hmm. It's all over the place. So yeah. And like, it's a lot more, a lot of it's really affordable too. So don't skip out on it. It's still really high quality. Yes. Keep... Keep Spain, keep Spain alive. Keep like, Spain like, alive. Spain like, is really dying. suffering, guys. <laughs> Nobody goes there for vacation. The food's awful. Nobody goes there for vacation. Nobody has fun there. It's not got rich, deep cultural history. Nobody does their study abroad there for sure. No, this entire <laughs> this entire episode, like th- like Spain should thank us, like because we are single handedly going to reinvigorate their tourism and wine production with this one. <laughs> Episode. You know what we did get through this entire episode without doing? What? Saying Barcelona. <laughs> oh, but it just happened. It happened. <laughs> Anyways, that's our episode. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Hey, friends. 
You may notice that on the Bottle Blondes Wine Podcast, we get a little silly from time to time, and that's just what we did. So enjoy this bonus song from Adrian and Hallie. Love ya. <laughs> I'm like a bird. I want to be on a Spanish wine label. <laughs> I don't know where my home is. I don't know where the road is. I'm like a bird. I want to be on a Spanish wine label. <laughs> Maybe some Ganache. Maybe some Tempranillo. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Specials! <laughs> Special bonuses. <laughs> Bonus tracks. <laughs>